Welcome to the Nerdy Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, owner of the company Horns Welding. And today I'm without Matej Nordvig, but I'm joined by probably the most popular guest we've ever had on this show. It's definitely a toss-up between uh, Ed and Jonas Lorenzen. You two seem to get the most comments, Ooh. likes, questions, asks for you to come back and do other episodes. Um, so yeah, the growl you hear there is of... What, what do we say? The harbinger of the guild and creator yes. of Mythos Ragnarok, the uh, incredible, it's not, I mean, it's not a wrestling stage show. What, how would you describe it? I mean, for one thing, Dan, I would describe myself as the instigator of the guild. I feel I was clear <laughs> about that when I agreed to do this podcast. <laughs> no, I, the- I think we said instigator or, har- or harbinger. Uh, I think I said instigator. I actually, to be fair, I said both. Uh, I settled on instigator because I feel it's harder okay. to define. Um, <laughs> but you're not asking about me. You're asking about the show. No, it's not a wrestling show, Dan Ferrand. It's not a wrestling show at all. It's um, a theater piece in which mm-hmm. I only use wrestlers. Therefore, okay. uh, I can show off how great they are at things that isn't just wrestling, but then they do also wrestle because that is, you know, undeniably what they're best at because they're wrestlers. Um, it is a mm-hmm. theater show that um, is the only theater show to use wrestling for its stage combat because it is by a long way the coolest and most badass form of stage combat. And you never get to see it outside of wrestling. So I made a stage show that does it. Mm-hmm. And it's been Reasonably well received. I also didn't realize it was between me and Jonas. You know, now I have a target. So if oh, I take him I, out. I, oh, no, I think. Have we ever done with one with you two together? Yes. Well, we've, we, yeah, we, yeah, this, we did. We did story time. I think it was. Yeah, we did. Well, we did one. Uh, we were both on it. And then he unfortunately had to leave partway through, which I feel was like a, you know, a power move on his part. On his part or your part? But definitely not my part. <laughs> like, it wasn't a power move on my part for him to be like, you know what? I'm done with this. You've had enough of my time. Oh, it could, yeah, but it could be a case of you had to outlast. You know, like sometimes when you get two quote-unquote alpha males in the steam room and they just, oh, yeah. I do this. I'm terrible for this. <laughs> I swear. I have come. <laughs> I've only never told one person this before. I have competitions with people in the steam room that they don't know that I'm having a competition with them. Is it then a competition? If only in one person is competing, that's the only way you win. <laughs> so I just love that your 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 atmosphere in which alpha male competition happens is the steam room. <laughs> when, when that was the last thing I expected to come out, you know, when you get two alpha males in in the steam room. Okay, like, I, was, no. I was trying to think of somewhere. Where <laughs> no, I, no, I don't. In a situation where people have to like outlast each other, because that's what I do in my mind. It's it becomes less Sex about the, is what you're talking about. It becomes less about the enjoyment of the steam room and that just huh. sitting in there for as long as possible, even Damn. if it sucks. You have confused steam rooms and sex. This is clear. You just said it's less about the enjoyment of the situation and more about just seeing who can outlast. You know, even if it's okay. just nothing but misery for the end twenty to thirty <laughs> minutes. You know, it doesn't matter. You've outlasted. That's what matters. You've proved yourself. And again, okay. you know, if only one person is competing, is it really a competition? In either context, sexual or otherwise. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would say so. Um, Isn't okay, this about before, Nordic mythology? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, sometimes it is. Hmm. Um, 
Not yeah, tonight, I mean, bitches. To, to everybody listening, it's clear that there is 50% of the Nordic Mythology podcast missing. Um, it takes, unfortunately, had a last-minute emergency, and me and Ed were debating whether to, to do it ourselves or um, delay for another day. And Ed, can you... Can you remember what the defining factor was that I asked you? Uh, it was whether or not I had any beer. <laughs> and I had beer. That... And the reply was, I had beer. Yeah. You have beer. I do. So, I do now. I'm drink- what are you like... drinking, Dan? What are you drinking? I am drinking Brugada. You're always drinking Brugada. You know, yeah, I had to do an advert for Brugada in August. It helps if you can pronounce the people you're advertising. They did a photo shoot with me dressed as Odin. Uh, did you, is this real? Or did you fucking made this up. This is, no, this is completely real. This is, you can find it somewhere. <laughs> I don't advertise it naturally. <laughs> the things I have to do. From, I'm drinking Estrella Dam because I just got back from Barcelona where I may have developed an Estrella Dam habit by accident. They really oh, impose on okay. you. Did you get the feeling that, you know, Matthias had a, an emergency? Um, is it possible that I was the emergency, that he realized that it was me and so he just bailed? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it's going to be too much chaos. Because well, who knows if there's going to be a podcast left when we're finished with this. Well, that's true. I apologize to all the regular listeners. Although, to be fair, has anyone been on this podcast more than me? Be honest. No. Other than Jonas, yes. who did the, the, the story types. So like, Him again. Know. He did the he did the patron ex- exclusives, but however, let's go back to Brugada because uh, I want to hear you, you skated over playing Odin like it was nothing. Well, look, so I have a Nordic mythology themed theatre show, and when a man writes a Nordic mythology themed theatre show, he casts himself as Odin, obviously. Like, that's what you do. It's established. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took this Nordic myth- uh, mythology theater show to Edinburgh Fringe, uh, where we, we were quite successful. Um, uh, but in the process of trying to fund and market the show, I had to do a series of quite humiliating things, one of which was attend a photo shoot for Brugada, who were trying to, you know what you know, companies are like. They try and be cool by associating themselves with things that are cooler than they are. Um, and so to convince everyone that their beer tastes good, they thought it would be effective to get some successful fringe shows to hold cans of their beer, <laughs> you know, as if I wrote yeah. my show whilst drinking Brugada and it gave like the mead of fucking poetry or something. Uh, okay. yeah. And so I had to, I had to do this. They then asked me if I go outside into the streets where they could do like a more urban um, shoot. And I just flatly refused because even I have standards, Dan. And that was, <laughs> that was too far for me. I did not want to go into the streets and be seen by the public. Uh, holding, holding a, a Brugada. No, no, I did not. Estrella Dam. I'd have been You'd be straight out. Oh, yeah. I think Brugada is actually a nice beer. So, well, it was all right. Did <laughs> I, I give you, you know what? No, you know what? I don't think I actually drank any of it. It might be really good. No, I did. I did. I remember I drank it because they gave me a can to hold in one of the, in the group shots. Uh, and I was deeply unclear by the motivation. You know, Dan, I'm a very serious actor. Anyone who knows me knows this. I'm a serious actor, <laughs> like primarily. Um, so they gave me this can, an actor. Yeah, but see, that's, I should have got that right, shouldn't I? Jesus, artiste <laughs> is what I am. Uh, they gave me this can of Brugada and they said, just like, hold it and we'll take pictures of you. And this was very confusing to me. Like, why would you, why? Why, why would a person just be holding a, a closed can of beer? What, what's the purpose? 
So I cracked the can open, obviously, and drank the beer because it was the only thing that made sense in the moment. And apparently this was not what I was meant to do and no one else was doing did it. You, and then I spilled did you have some to pay the for the Brugada? Uh, maybe I, I, they may have asked me to. I definitely didn't. Uh, <laughs> I drank it. I spilled some of it on me and on some of the other acts. They didn't like that at all. The acts or Brugada. Um, but, you know, they asked me back. They did another, did another couple of photos. Again, I don't feel like it's... Uh, <laughs> This is, is this what the it's people not defining, came to hear? It's not a defining moment. Well, no. In fact, I hadn't thought about Brugada since until I saw you drinking it. I thought I recognized that poor attempt at branding a it can. Is, it is. You know, <laughs> this episode just becomes slaying Brugada, but it is an awful can. It doesn't jump out of the shelf and go, ooh, by me. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't scream it, oh, like Viking either. Wait, is it meant to be Viking? No, I don't think so. But they asked Odin oh. to hold a cup. Oh, I see. No, no, I, there were other there were other things there. They weren't trying to make the Nordic connection. Um, there were like oh, drag okay. acts and a whole bunch of other. You know, you know what the the beer was trying to be like. We're good beer. Look, we're around artists, and that was the gimmick. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. but they chose the wrong artist. I'll tell you that. Chose the wrong artist. <laughs> I can I can <laughs> imagine they did. Okay, so you now that you are the expert for the episode, uh, you had a. <laughs> don't don't scoff like that. <laughs> you had a nice little um a nice little moment before the show. We were oh, shit, we I were did. talking about we were talking about how it's been it's been a tough year. Right. And yeah. I and I, natu- and I naturally said, you know, I can't wait for this fucking year to be over and just mm-hmm. move on to <laughs> I like the way you cracked the can right in the middle of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. That was Mel. Look, my hands are free. Mel cracked it. My microphone's so powerful it picked you up cracking a beer and you interrupted Dan's it, candid moment. It, it better be a brewgooder as well. It it's not. It's an Estrella Dam. She's she's been in my patch. Sorry, go on. Start your story. I mean so, so not, not, naturally I said how I you know I, I can't wait for the year to be over. Um yeah. and you said huh? if you want to repeat oh, wow. it. Yes, yes. Yes, I said something very insightful, which was that I pointed out that it's really interesting, at least to me, how we always refer to, you know, I cannot wait for this year to end or this day to end, you know, this period of time to be over, as if that holds any power, as if like the concluding of the day or the concluding of the year um, has any kind of like actual physical or metaphysical um, significance, which of course it doesn't like, as you Mm -hmm. so poetically said, Dan, January the 1st doesn't know. You didn't slur it like I just did. (laughs) You said January the 1st doesn't know that it's the new year, except this is why I think I found it interesting was that it seemed like that um, reflects something that I feel is true of mythology, which is that um, January the 1st isn't, an interesting day. It's just yet another, you know, day around the sun, um, a sun around the earth. And wait, what the fuck was I talking about? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had the panic that I'd accidentally just um, declared that the sun goes around the earth once every day. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? Anyway, the point is that January the 1st isn't a meaningful day, yet we make it a meaningful day by treating it like it's a meaningful day. And I felt like that was a great um, analogy for myths, which is that the stories, the mythological stories have power because we treat them like they have power and therefore they do. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and I think hey, it raises a question in my mind, which is that why do we treat them like they have power? Why do we treat these mythological stories differently to how we treat other stories? Um, and I think it's because when you hear them, they kind of sing to you in this weird way where you're like, this isn't just a story. This genuinely reflects how the world is and how it is to be me in the world. And I think that's why we give extra weight and credence to certain stories and, and refer to them as myths um, <clears throat> because they seem to do something relating to reality and existence that other stories don't necessarily do. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could turn on Netflix at any point and be given a thousand stories, none of which will impact you, your life or what you do with yourself ever again. Uh, if you even make it through the first series, <clears throat> whereas certain stories, um, carry a, a sort of a weird weight to them where they actually shape who you are or who you become or your understanding of the world. And I think that's, that's the difference with myths. Um, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting because this, this podcast Dan, is about myths sometimes. Um, sometimes. So I thought it was really interesting that we just snuck that right in there at the beginning. <laughs> no, it is. It, it absolutely is because, you know, January 1st is no it's not different to any other day. It's the same 24 hours. Mm. But a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. And yes, 90-odd percent of them disappear within the first week. But there will be mm. some people who commit to eating better, losing weight, going to the gym, or any other um, resolution, you know, commitment to do something. Mm-hmm. And there are, there'll be a subset of people who, who stick to it, and their life from that moment changes going forwards right. and it's something about that day that makes them go okay this is a line in the sand and i'm gonna yeah. go from here now and things are gonna change and you know the day itself isn't special but it becomes special because we put this weight on it i guess yeah exactly um and i i feel like that's so when you asked me to come back on the podcast and i thought what the hell like I didn't know Matthias wasn't going to be here. I normally rely on Matthias to oh, we, we both do. to know we things. Both do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God knows how many things we'll say on this podcast that should have been we'll, explained by Volcano. We'll put a disclaimer out. Yeah, we'll put a disclaimer out at the start of like, there's Don't no factual episode. There's no factual information in this one episode. No. This is, this all, is the only... <laughs> it's all just conjecture. Whatever, right. whatever is said here, take it, take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, but dude... This is the Nordic mythology podcast. Surely by default, there should be no factual information in it. You know, myths are not factual retellings, Dan. Otherwise, you may as well just read, you know, a report. No one wants to read it. It's like journalism. You know, I thought this the other day. I was sitting in a cafe. I was in Barcelona drinking Estrella Dam, you know, just to bring it back to why I'm drinking this particular beer. And I was drinking are, my are coffee. Are you being sponsored by Estrella Dam? <laughs> you said it a, a, a lot. Who? Estrella Dam. No, I've never heard of them. Wow, it's delicious though. <laughs> Here's one right now for our viewers watching at home. Wow, that's a real good, interesting choice of orange red that they've used for the can. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. Um, although I've now realised that it's Dam with two M's. That's an interesting choice. Um, so look, I was sitting in a cafe. I wasn't actually drinking Estrella Dam at the time. That was just, you know, poetry. I was drinking a coffee. And I was drinking a coffee because I signed up for a four-hour walking tour of Barcelona in which they tell me about the Spanish Civil War. And when I got there, I realized I was infinitely too hungover to do this tour. So I very embarrassingly kind of 
backed away quite slowly and sat down at a cafe. And then when the tour moved on, I just didn't get up. Um, and I, wa- <laughs> I watched some people, my holidays are great. Um, and I was watching people walking past and I thought, you know, if I was going to write about this moment, I felt like I could watch, you know, a hundred people walk past. And if I was diligent with my note taking, I could tell you exactly what they looked like, um, exactly what clothes they were wearing, where they went, what they did and what the results were of their actions. And I thought, like, that sounds to me. This was better for your (laughs) hangover than a walking tour where you had to do nothing. Dan, you act like I had a choice. I sat down. I couldn't get back up. That was the degree of the hangover. I was like, well, I'm now, I'm people watching. It was people watching. Okay. Which was better than being talked to about the Spanish Civil War. It was interesting, but just not what you need on a hangover. Um, And I realized that that would be like a form of kind of, of journalism, you know, reporting the things, the things as they happened, the facts. And I thought, but what would that tell anyone about anything? If I did that, but I had no idea why any of the people on that street did what they did or how it felt to do what they were doing. Like, what the hell have I told anyone of meaning? Mm-hmm. But really, when you, when you manage to boil human actions down to just the physics of he went there, he did this, he said that, but you have no idea why or what he was feeling at the time. Have you really reported anything of worth or have oh, you just oh. kind of observed? Hmm? I, th- I, think, I think Google would argue the opposite and so would Facebook because that is their whole... Mm advertising platform is that they just yeah. they don't care though the what wise what you know so they're the reasons for doing things they look at patterns of you so many people search for this they lived in this area they also yeah. do this and they literally just boil it down to movements and go okay we can predict now and i guess it must be with some degree of accuracy that yeah, it must be because because this people interested in this did this then these other people over here must also be interested in this unless advertised to them. Yeah. So there, there is something to it. Well, yeah. Presumably, if someone does something, there's a reason for it. Um, so if, if person A does a thing, then and if a thousand other people do that, you can be fairly sure that someone else will do it, I imagine. And that's what their thing is based on. But if you're actually trying to, as a human being, engage, it, like, yeah, if I know that today a thousand people went into the donut shop, right? Uh, I could probably reasonably predict that someone else will go in the donut shop fairly soon. But if I don't know why any of them went into the donut shop or what their experience of eating the donut was, then as a human being and as a storyteller, what have I really learned? What have I done other than just report the bare physics of the situation? And that I think is, is, is because I was, I, I never stopped thinking about this sort of stuff. I, I thought is, is possibly where the difference between myths and stories starts to come to light is that you can tell a story by simply explaining what happened, or you can do a piece of journalism by simply explaining what happened. But really, if you haven't explained why it happened, and if you haven't explained how the people felt at the time, and if when it comes to the people reading the story or watching the play, if those people aren't feeling the same thing, or if those people aren't feeling connected to it, have you really done anything of worth? Um, Why are certain stories held up to the esteem of being myths. And like we, we talked about the fact that coming on the podcast today, we might talk about what myths mean in a modern context or how you might modernize them. I thought that might be it. You know, it, it must relate in some way to the fact that you don't just get up and tell a story, which is like a sequence of events. You tell a story that in some way 
to the people listening to it tells them something about themselves and makes them whilst in the process of listening to the story say yes that is correct that's how i feel or that is how the world is it reflects something bigger than just a series of facts you know mm-hmm. um yeah and all I this occurred can... to me damn while i was drinking a coffee <laughs> with a hangover in barcelona <laughs> i think you can also everybody can can interpret each myth in their own personal way but, mm. but and not only that they can everybody will attach themselves to a different myth. Like you said earlier with Netflix, there are, there are some TV shows that I'm going to, I'm going to watch and I'm going to get fulfillment out of and Maybe even, you know, life lessons or whatever, but uh, the, the other person or you or, you know, anybody else, they could be into a completely different type of show and they're going to mm-hmm. take their lessons from that and their enjoyment from that kind of TV show. I, I guess yeah. the same would be, for myths a thousand years ago, some people would have looked at one and go, okay, that relates to me and my life at this moment and everything that's yeah. going on around me. And then I'm going to take bits from that to kind of help myself feel better or improve myself or for whatever reason. And then you're yeah. next door neighbor. They have a whole different set of circumstances going on in life and they're in a different position. And they look at one of the other ones and go, okay, this one's mm-hmm. much more relatable. Yeah. Exactly. But I think even within like the individual myths themselves, right? You don't have to say like, I'm a Thor fishing man and I'm a Thor losing his hammer, man. You know, even the creation myth, for example, you know, did anyone believe that the sky was made of Emir's skull? I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I, it seems far-fetched even for, you know, sentient human beings back there to be like, yeah, the sky is, it's actually the skull of a giant. You're like, well, I mean, even but as a man, no science if you know no better, you really have to know no better. I mean, but just I, the relative size of the, the 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 rocks that are his teeth and the the entire sky. See, Do you think I they thought it was his. I don't know. As as you were as you were kind of explaining the the part about being outside the in the cafe in Barcelona, yes, yes. I was thinking. <laughs> do you do you think that they looked at these as myths, or they just looked at these as stories? And I think it mm. was. Simon Nigad that we we spoke about this with about the perception of kind of like reality and the for for them the gods they didn't believe in the gods they were just a thing it wasn't a belief it was they ex- it was just a, an an acceptance of existence and they right. were a thing and that was how it was so I wonder if that's the same with you know the the, the myths that they weren't myths they weren't because obviously I guess t- to me and you when somebody says the word myth it's something that's mythological it's not real it's fictional um but i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't what do you think do you think that they i mean myths to them i did it it sounds like quite a soft belief if someone said god damn it matthias if you teleported yourself back a thousand years and you ask someone do you honestly believe that the sky above you is made of the inside of the skull of a giant you know, that's a very different type of belief to do you believe that if you sit down at this moment that you will fall on the ground or that a chair will be there to support you. You know, when you sit down, you have a belief that there's a chair there to sit on. Otherwise, you wouldn't fucking sit down, right? Um, that's a very solid, concrete kind of like, this is how I believe the world is compared to do you actually think that thing up there is made of the skull of a giant? Which I think... Even back then, you're going to be hard pressed to be like, yes, I, I as certainly as I believe this chair is here for me to sit on, I believe that's the skull of a giant. But the thing is that that's not really necessarily what it is there for. 
you know, we all wonder like, where the hell did this, the sky come from? If someone goes, ah, oh, it's the head of a giant, um, you know, that explains it to an extent, but was that the purpose of the story or was the purpose of the story to let everybody know that, you know, the world was created by somebody deliberately uh, in a way because they cared about you, they built you a world and then they imbibe you with knowledge and strength and things. And now you feel comfortable because being a human isn't comfortable. But, it's, okay. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that oh. you're not Christian. Well, uh, not today. I'm going to guess. So yeah. what's the difference with, because there are 100% Christians today that believe that God made the earth. Right. So what's the, what, and there, and there are, that's, I assume there are some Christians that are maybe like, mm, are they kind of wavering between, but there are certainly a, a group who will mm-hmm. be 100% of like, I believe that God made the earth in seven days and, and, and they just, that is what they believe. That's how they think that we got okay. And that's, so how is that any different to maybe how they would have thought a thousand years ago? Uh, I guess it's it's not. I mean, one one category of insanity is is as good as another. I don't know. Like, I'm not gonna criticize them. Uh, and who am I to say that he didn't? You know, who am I to say that God, in his might, didn't build the world in seven days, uh, or that the the sky isn't indeed the skull of Emir? I don't know. That um, that, that kind of I goes back think... to what we were saying about the 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 whole New Year thing as well. Of like mm. the these things only become reality because we don't know the, the truth of the matter is no matter what you believe in that we don't know, like we don't know what comes, well. after, what comes after death. And we don't really know or for a hundred percent certainty, like how everything got here. No, true. You have to be like a agnostic about whether or not the sky is in fact Emir's skull, but that's true of all things right Dan. right? Surely you're an agnostic about everything that like you mm-hmm. could be wrong about. You could be just playing God of war right now and not even know. Um, so I guess agnosticism is like, you know, you have to accept that anything you say could, could, you could be in a brain in a vat. Um, but I know I think the thing that's interesting to me personally is, is that I think possibly we're just coming at the question from the wrong angle, which is people go like, did you really believe that the sky is in his head? And someone might be like, well, no, but maybe, but that's not the point. Like the, mm, okay. the, the story wasn't written to explain where the sky, the sky comes from. The story was written to explain that, you know, we're all part of something bigger. Uh, and mm. it doesn't matter whether or not you believe this guy is, in fact, Emir Skull. The point is that someone created the society in which you live in and will look after you and protect you. And, you know, in this case, it's Odin. And he he did it by killing this giant and building a world. But, like, it's more like the story is written to have a positive effect on the people around you. Not actually to explain where the goddamn sky comes from or the mountains. Um, so whether or not you believe that there's the sky is in his skull and the mountains are his teeth or whatever is sort of secondary to does having that story as part of your culture make you feel happy and protected and like can get on with your life mm. and that the giants aren't about to come across the, the, the mountains and attack you because that's, you know, that's useful. That's much more useful than explaining that the, the freaking mountains were made of Emir's bones. Who cares? No one cares. Like it doesn't affect anything, but knowing that in the process of that, uh, a pantheon of gods develops who will protect you. Like Thor is out there right now fighting those gods. That's more interesting and important, right? But that's, mm-hmm. again, not because do you actually believe that Thor is over there bashing giants or just kind of paying lip service to that belief and being involved in that belief makes you feel happy and content, exactly like mm-hmm. believing that January the 1st is 
uh, a day of importance means that you then go and lose a bunch of weight and become fitter and stronger. You don't actually believe that January the 1st is important at all. No one does. Just like I don't actually believe Thor's over there bashing giants, but like in being involved in the culture that's built around this belief makes me feel protected from the fact that I have no idea what is over those hills. Yeah. You know, I think it's a that's weird a- way to treat mythology like they have to have some kind of explanatory value or historical accuracy to be valuable because I don't think any stories do, right? You know, seems mm. seems an odd thing to hold them to. That's yeah, that's a fascinating thing. I think I spoke about this. A- on the on the podcast before that if you you for most of for most of us we live in towns, cities, villages. And when you look up, you kind of maybe see the stars. Like they they're there, but you've got like the the shimmer of urban life around you. Yeah. Um but that didn't exist. So you know back you know a thousand years ago, or even if you just go out into dark spots today, you can sit and look up and you can't help when you have this because there is a quite a glow that comes down from above, especially when the moon. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you can't help but just kind of look up in some childlike wonder of like, mm. what the fuck is this? Like this is so much bigger than I am. It's so much kind of unexplained that we don't really know what's going on up there. It's 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 unfathomably gigantic you just right. can't you can't comprehend kind of the size of it and the magnitude of everything that's going on up there so you can easily get lost if you really sit and think about it like the size of, of what's out there it can very much distract you from everything else you kind of just yeah sit and ponder and be like okay what's you know i have all these outside questions whereas if you put an explanation explanation to it people then have that comfort right comfort blanket of that's what this is so i just need to get on yeah farming (laughs) yeah yeah farming (laughs) it probably let's be honest it was probably farming yeah but like that's the thing isn't it though i mean we uh, let's let's agree that we have a better understanding of what the celestial bodies are now than they did back then um, so we'll have an explanation. Science will give us an explanation of what they are. And does Dan, does that, that how much of an impact does that have on you? On like, if someone says, "What are the stars?" and you can give them a much more scientific explanation now than you could have done a thousand years ago, does that is that good? Is that helpful? Does that make anything? Would Would you rather be able to walk outside and look up at the stars, and when you see them, be filled with the memory of stories your grandfather told you about spirits and gods looking down at you, and the movements of human beings throughout time, all these things that just cascade into your mind? And who cares whether or not you believe it? Like, do I believe that star is my granddad? No, of course not. But you know, it 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 enhances my life and my experience. Or do you want to look up there and be like, "It's balls of burning gas, Timon." You know, I, this is, it's such, for me right now, it's such a relatable conversation because there are things, without without going too deep into things, there are things that I didn't believe that maybe now, not that I believe, I, I'm quite hopeful. So let's say, let's take life after death. Right. Like there are, I had a very strict thought on that prior to this year. Right. And then now, I've very much softened to that. And whether it's because my opinions have changed or it's just that I now have this want to believe that 
there is something or this this desire yeah. because it makes things it just makes things a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the case for for everybody throughout human history. These little stories probably make things that little bit easier mm-hmm. to accept things that maybe we don't understand or we can't change because it does. Like that's yeah. just the fact that me me thinking that the possibility of maybe there is this thing after certainly makes you know the last year more manageable, and that's just kind of yeah how it is, and, it, and, it, and it's made me change my pretty strict opinions yeah. the other way. And whether it's based on science or fact or whatever, it's because it just makes me it just makes coping that little bit easier, dude. And, and, and that must be a thing for everybody. Yeah, of course, it's a thing for. Like, it's been this is a this is a joyful thing, right? Is that I mean, weird thing to take joy in, but the struggle to cope existing as a human presumably is more or less the same now as it was back then. Obviously, there are physical and pragmatic differences, like we're not farming the land or being eaten by tigers or whatever. But existentially, it's still as weird and confusing as it has always mm-hmm. been. And if you can be surrounded by um, a culture that is built upon a mythology that helps you not specifically understand why the grass is green or why, you know, where the hills came from, like the practicalities of why that's the case is sort of secondary to are you kind of filled with an appreciation and an understanding for the world that you live in and what will come afterwards? Um, And you can... You can take solace in fiction very easily, right? You don't have to believe that Jesus uh, was the son of God to think that the way he treated other people was something that you can now take into yourself. And and that's for that to be the foundation of how you go about treating other people. You don't even have to believe that Jesus existed. Like I take a lot of my um, inspirations about how to be a human being in the world from works of utter fiction. But I will quote Aragorn if I feel the need to, not because I think Aragorn existed and did and actually fought at like <laughs> the Battle of Helm's Deep. I don't believe that. The point is that there is a truth to the concept and there's a truth to the character. And that's, to me at least, much more meaningful than a lot of the real things that I experience. Like everything I experience on a day-to-day level is real to an extent, but like I think human beings, like we're conceptual creatures, right? We, my life is more likely to be built around the concept of honor than it is to be built around any actual practical thing that you could hold or or pin down. And like honor is not honor doesn't exist; it's a concept. Just like like these mythological stories are concepts that are woven together. But for some reason, that is infinitely more motivating and inspiring than any piece of science that I, that I, that I come across, like things that I, I can, I can relate to that when the first time you ever did, do you remember the first time you ever did a, the first time we ever met when you were incredibly hungover and I gave you secondhand pizza. (laughs) Well, that was, uh, (laughs) so that was when you did the photo, the photo shoot for us, the the, the first time we kind of ever met. No, I remember it well. I still have those trousers. Again, without going into, into details, I asked you to do the photo shoot. Mm-hmm. There was a different company who then tried to kind of buy your loyalty, persuade <laughs> oh you God. to not persuade you to not do the shoot. And you yeah. and, and and you very, you know, very honorable honorably said, mm-hmm. Look, I've agreed to do this shoot. Like if you want to do something aside from that, then then maybe, but I've agreed to do this. I'm a man of my word. 
and that's what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and that's what you did. It is. Why did I do that, Dan? There's no such thing as honor. Honor doesn't exist. You can't fucking measure it, dude. You can't put a bunch of like protons and spiral them around through a chamber and measure how hard they collide with my soul and then tell everyone how honorable I am. You can't measure it. But yet, bizarrely, honor will will dictate my life just like it will yours and has dictated millions of lives before us because we have this concept of what it means to be a human being. And that is, in my opinion, much more meaningful. Like when, when it comes to what, what is the purpose of a myth or a story or, you know, does it have to be religious? Does it have to explain the world? Like, what do you care more about? Where the mountains came from or explaining why when it comes down to it, I will die for this person and not for that person. Mm-hmm. Because as a human, they're the moments that actually matter. And so why even bother telling stories if you're not going to explain why I will do that? I'd much rather work out why this person chose to sacrifice themselves for this ideal than why, why is the sky up there? What are the stars? What are they made of? Like they're, they're, those things are slightly interesting, but dear God, my day-to-day life is dictated by human beings and why they choose to do one thing over another. And it turns out most of the time that the reasons that people choose to do stuff don't fucking exist. Like their concepts, like January the fucking first, it's a concept. Yet that concept will yield a million people who go on to change their entire lives this year because they made a resolution, uh, which is itself a nonsense. And I made a commitment to myself like this is I think I think it was like Terry Pratchett who said something like you have to believe in the little lies so you can believe in the big ones. And that's what stories are and myths are. They're like, I don't actually believe there was a Thor and that he did all this stuff, but by kind of having a quasi belief, like acting like I believe that kind of primes me to then actually go about living my life um, in accordance with very obviously non-existent things like the concept of glory and honor and trust and bravery and fairness. Cause these things don't fucking, if you want to, you can just bam, snap. You know what? There's no such thing as fairness. I'm just going to be a dick to everybody, but we don't What? and why don't we is because we mm. believe in like the existence of these concepts that are greater than ourselves and sort of a lot more meaningful than whether or not there's a table here, which is what physics is concerned with finding out and proving what is pretty. I think, uh, yeah, I think look is another good example of that. Like look doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Like look is just not oh, a real thing. Right, right, right. Like things happen and like maybe things happen in your favor and maybe they don't, but like yeah. the concept of look, like when people are like, Oh, somebody's looking. They're not. Mm-hmm. There's a human. Like it doesn't exist. But equally, it kind of does exist too. Uh, of course, it exists. Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it shit exists. happens where like something doesn't, <laughs> and, and like somebody will do something and it's look at, it, but they will repeatedly do it, and they yeah. just keep. They're on like a lucky streak, and Dude. it does appear. But when you look Absolutely. at it in its very basic kind of objective form, look is not a real thing. It just doesn't right. exist. It's just a word we've given for when something favorable happens to somebody. Yeah. And favorable by, by our own definitions or their own. If, you know what? I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's just something I'm really interested in. So there might be someone out there who can point me in the right direction. Because um, I've been looking a bit recently at things like luck and fate and how it is. Like you say, some people are just lucky. They're like there's a series of like, consistently things work yeah. out in their favor or the other I know way around some people i know some people who are fucking assholes right. but everything <laughs> always just drops right for them right but then also like there's a concept that you know if you're lucky that means you're both 
you know, lucky in a positive and a negative sense, you know, people who have the greatest positive luck will also sometimes have the worst possible luck as well. And why is that? And I've been trying to read around this a little bit and well, yeah, well, like measurable, practical, measurable karma. Like I think there's a thing about lucky people. Uh, And I think it's an observational thing because I was having this exact conversation uh, with Mel, my girlfriend, when I was uh, on the train uh, to the airport to get a, a plane to Barcelona. And I, um, now what happened? Somebody said something quite specific about me. Uh, I do remember, but not within the scope of this podcast. That's how small my brain is these days. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, <laughs> the point is, um, we were doing so well up until that point. Uh, we just had a good 20 minutes of actually sounding like we knew what the fuck we were doing. Yeah. We were believable almost. Well, like the, it, but it doesn't have to stop. <laughs> I believe in us. <laughs> Look, so I, I started to explain that I don't. If someone calls me lucky, for example, I just don't think that's. Well, I mean, obviously it's true, but by definition, but there's a reason why. So people say things seem to just work out well for you, and the weird thing is, I think they work out well because a, I never make a plan ever. I just do things. And because of that, I have to be in a constant and perpetual state of open-mindedness. I have to look for every possible alternative. People say, how are you going to get to the airport? I'm like, I don't know. I don't fucking know. I haven't planned. So I go to the, the train station and lo and behold, there's a train that goes to the airport. They're like, oh, that's lucky. It's not lucky. <laughs> that train was there all along. Like it only feels lucky because I didn't know that going into it. Right. But yeah. when I arrived there, I was like, oh, if I go to that platform within the next two minutes, I'll get a train. But that only happens because I don't know what I'm doing when I turn up. I didn't turn up three hours early and sit around waiting for my train. I turned up in the moment and found the right solution. So the, I think the and reason for every, that- for every time you get there and there's a train coming, there are 10 people who get there and go, oh, fuck, I've got to wait 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or there are another 600 people who know their trains at 10 o'clock. So they arrived at 9.45. Now they're waiting. Whereas if when I rock up at 9.59 and I step onto the train, people are like, boy, you're lucky. Like, why? I'm not, I'm not lucky. I, I turned up and responded to the, to the situation as it was, which means I think mm-hmm. I cultivate an ability to see opportunities where other people don't see them because they're too busy carrying out the plan they already made. And I like mm-hmm. look around of, of people. Rather than living is, in the moment and just kind of reacting to life. Yeah, but that's a practice skill. You know, if you're the type of person who makes a plan for every day and knows where they're going to be, the moment that that goes, you panic and you, you're not used to being like open to situations mm-hmm. as they occur. You don't make decisions like that. Whereas if you're someone like me, who is utterly fucking useless. And so you go about life kind of pingballing around the place. You become very good at spotting when things are going to line up in your favor. And so you can jump on them and also like the being willing to jump on them to be like, I'm not totally sure where this train is going, but I'm going to jump on it because I have no other options. And lo and behold, it's going in the right direction. Like that would never have happened. Right. If I'd have had an actual plan. So, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. talking about myself, but this applies to all kinds of people is I feel like lucky people. They're lucky because they've chosen not to plan things ahead. They've chosen not to make a strategy and rather to kind of trust that, they're going to make it themselves one way or the other. Mm. And it's like a weird confidence thing. And I, you know, I feel like maybe that's, that's why especially lucky people give off a certain vibe about them. There's a certain like uh, spark to them because they're very much alive in this moment, because if they're not, they will probably die because they have not thought about what they're going to eat or where they're going to go or where they're going to sleep because they sort of have a faith that they will, will be fine. 
because mm-hmm. why wouldn't they? They've they've developed the the capacity to just kind of get by day to day by winging it. And if you're good at that, damn, you know, well, there'll always be. It's always something. There's always something. You'll be all right. Um, I also think that a lot of time people use looks, particularly in like modern days, like use look to explain other people's success. So to get it right. back onto to get it back onto you and your show, you know, what, oh, yeah. how many sold out? How many sold out days did you do the fringe? Oh damn, uh, sixteen. I did twenty six shows. Sixteen were sellouts. Okay, so how many days back to back? Oh, how many days? 26, I did 26 days of back-to-back, 17 sellouts, and I think 12 of those sellouts were back-to-back. Okay. So 26 days of the Edinburgh Fringe is mm-hmm. fucking remarkable. That's a yes. success story you know, by anybody. Uh, but there, you, will be a, there will be a certain group of people who go, oh, that, that's lucky to land in mm. that, or lucky to get that position. Mm. And usually it comes from a, a, a position of kind of like the green-eyed monster or whatever. But like right. the... There are certain people that will look and go, you were lucky. But they because that's because they they will maybe stumble upon you three months ago and they'll look at your Instagram, look at the things you're doing and be like, fuck, this is this is great. How lucky it is to to get mm-hmm. the fringe. But yeah. they don't, they haven't seen the two, three years of building this and growing it and fucking right, right. putting everything into it. And it's the same thing with like you see of influencers whether it's fitness models or whatever people like oh it's it's lucky to just be pretty and be able to take pictures on instagram and have like a million followers (laughs) but it's not that simple you know it's you you know more than anyone it's not that easy to just maintain being in really good shape constantly Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of work people (laughs) people don't see that people Mm. just see a pretty face on instagram and go i must be you must Mm. be so lucky to be pretty and be able to take pictures. right yeah Yeah, they well, they neglect the work that goes behind that because they don't see it. Yeah, well, I think when you know when people talk about luck, they talk about them how fortunate that this situation turned up. You know how how lucky you were that this thing became available. Um, and I mean, yeah, if you look at that that situation in isolation, yeah, it seems unlikely. So it does seem you know lucky that it came up. But when you realize that there's there's three years of work beforehand that going put specifically in that position. Yeah, going specifically to making sure that those things happen on a regular basis because that's how it works, you know. Um, if you're not in, if you don't if you have, do, if you don't do all the hard work to to get yourself in the position to then receive whatever favorable opportunity comes your way, then it means fuck all. You have to yeah. do the hard work to get yourself to, you know, get yourself to the playing field. Yeah, you have to do the due diligence to make sure when the opportunity comes up, you can take it. You know, those same opportunities, like to like that train situation, that fucking 10 o'clock train was going to be there for everybody. But if you weren't at the station at that time, you wouldn't have been able to get the train. Now, so what happened beforehand was either one of two things. You either looked ahead, you realized there was a train at 10 o'clock, so you got yourself there to do it, which is like the practical kind of this is like, or you do the lucky approach, which is that you you rock up to the station, you realize that there's a train leaving in 10 seconds over there, and then you fucking run as fast as you can, you jump over three things, you dodge a camel, you leap into the train. Everyone's like, wow, it's lucky you got there. You're like, well, it is, but also I just spent, I spent years of my life being capable to dodge camels and run at that speed to get that train. Like, There's a, a, a load of things that mean that 12 of us turned up at the station at 
and 50 seconds, only one of us got on the train, not because he was lucky, but because he spent the rest of his life developing the ability to respond to yeah. any given situation and take advantage of it. And it's the same with like with the show, right? Like one of the good things about my show is we're very, we're wrestlers, which means we're not used to being treated well. And what that means okay. is we have a really low bar for what we expect. So people are like, well, you know, I got really lucky that that venue was available. We're like, did we get lucky or did we also just have to set up our show in 10 minutes flat before every, before every show? No other show would have done that, but we were willing to do that. So we, people would be like, oh, yeah, how lucky that such a venue came up at the last minute. We're like, no, it was there. Anyone could have taken it. No one else was willing or capable of taking it. Yeah. So the reason we were lucky was because we cultivated the ability to take advantage of situations other people can't take advantage of. That's not luck. That's fucking hard work. Now, obviously, mm -hmm. like, there's always going to be an element that's out to the fates that something comes up or someone notices you. But, you know, you need to be there to be noticed as well. Just like you said about Instagram models and so on. Oh, how lucky. How lucky to be beautiful and, and, and just some photographer comes and takes pictures. But if they hadn't put some work into being seen, then no one would be there to see them and take pictures of them. Like everyone has mm -hmm. to fucking work sooner or later, sadly. <laughs> so at some point. Um, okay um what i mean 26 days what have you learned because when we, i think when we last Jesus. spoke when we last spoke you just done the first show you know i came down and watched it yeah. it was yeah we, we sang the praises it was amazing it, it really was it was the it was the most fun i'd had in a long time yeah um, I so oh yeah you must have learned and ironed out some kinks over the oh, over yeah. the 26 days that can't be easy oh yeah uh so we did 32 shows that year so you saw the first one uh mm -hmm. we've done 32 since then um so it's different it's very very different now um the, the show you saw was two hours long uh fringe only gave us 70 minutes at max okay uh so we had to cut yeah. things out we had to speed things up we had to change things up um and most of that has been an improvement because it's made me take a real hard look at what things can I get rid of and with what things need to be in here. So we, we cut it right down to 70 minutes for fringe. Um, and now that we're not doing that anymore, I now can put all the stuff in that I cut out, but I've learned how much of that can, how much of that needs to go back in and how much the show works without. So it's a very of... lean show now. I mean, it was never, there was never oh. a lot of fluff in it in the first place, but now it's really, no. It's mean and it's lean and we know um, we know our, our beats. Yeah, um, it's, it's a lot more professional than it was back then because this, like, when you saw it, it, it was an idea I had that someone accidentally said yes to. And I was like, well, I've got to do this now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's the best thing, though, when you yeah. put an idea out there and then somebody, you know, jumps on it and you're like, Oh yeah. shit! I'm fucking committed to this now. Yeah. Oh, but damn, how lucky! It. How lucky that someone said yes to it and that, that this venue came up. Not. How lucky Definitely. that you spent a lifetime writing things and studying the mythology that when someone said you can put a play on if you can write it in three weeks time, you know, it's not, it wasn't, it's not a lot. I mean, the opportunity is fortunate, but being able to capitalize on it was because I'd, I'd done a lot of, uh, a lot of work to get to that point. But um, yeah, it's, mm -hmm. it's very different now. It's very exciting um, now. I mean, I was excited about it in the first place, but now, I mean, it is a, there's no room to breathe in the current show for us or the audience, man. It is full on. Um, Oh, I can't wait to see you again. Well, I can't wait. How fortunate you say that, Dan, because I have, I have a, I have a bit. Two fucking 130 episodes. I know how to segue by now. Nice. <laughs> I noticed. You know how I noticed? Your beer changed color. 
They went from a brew, <laughs> a brew got a like bad branding, threw a red one, and Dude, then it turned it to a green IPA. Was it in Australia? Oh, okay. For real? You were drinking a red beer. What was it? Um, you don't even know. Oh, vocation. Ah, vocation. Lame. But it changed no, to a green IPA. Island. So, yeah, that's the classic symbol for go. When the beer turn okay. changes from red to green. <laughs> I did go from red to green, to be fair, yeah. yeah. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm filling the audience in who can only hear with their ears instead of watching yeah. with their eyes. <laughs> Te- terrible subliminal messages for a podcast, but... Yeah. When I change my beer from red to green, sell your product. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... We'd have got away um, with it as well if you hadn't opened your mouth. Yeah, but I'm a man of the people, Dan. <laughs> I, I won't. I will not pull the wool over their eyes. I might have honor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> occasionally. So, um, my show is back in the new year, and our very first date um, will be our first ever date in the north of England, and it will be at none other than Jorvik Viking Festival, which is a uh, festival that's incredibly close to both of our hearts, and we've gone up mm, there and done all kinds absolutely. of mischief over the years. Um. And in some incredible turn of events, I've managed to secure the York Barbican, which is mm-hmm. by a factor of 10 times the biggest venue that I've ever done. <laughs> like on that, <laughs> like fringe on average, we were doing like four, uh, 140 people. York Barbican seats maybe 1500. Um, it mm-hmm. will be the biggest show Mythos has ever done. I have not the foggiest idea how we're going to do it. Um, but their game, we're game, and we're gonna we're, we've teamed up with Jorvik Viking Festival um, to to try and put on something that's never been done before, to try and um, to reinvigorate mythology, uh, the Norse mythology that we all love so much, but to put it into uh, you know a context that is is even more enjoyable for modern audiences. And fortunately for me, that that uh, very luckily for me, it so happens that I did that <laughs> 32 <laughs> times last year. So when the opportunity uh, came to do it at Jorvik, um, I could jump on it. So the, the tickets went on sale at 10 a.m. today. So they are currently available to buy. I've not told anybody apart from you and like two other people um, and obviously the people in the show, because otherwise <laughs> there won't be one. Oh, let, me, let me know so we can we can share it on all all our platforms. Obviously, I'm going to share on Hans Vodin as well. I'm letting you know. Now, Dan. No, Consider yourself warned. Okay. Consider my beard <laughs> turned from red to green. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you're going wrong. You can't oh, just no. say that to me. I need like a link or somewhere oh. I can send people. I'm, I don't have that. What do you think I am? The internet? <laughs> no, you know what? I've, I've matured since our last podcast. I have a, I have a link. Uh, I'll be okay. posting it on, uh, on, not on my social media. I'll be posting it on the mythos.theater Instagram account, which is an account I had to build because I did nothing but post about Instagram for an entire year, and it took over my entire life and my, my own career. So I've made its own little Instagram account, mythos.theater, where you can get all the dates and the ticket links. So I'll be putting it there. Mm-hmm. Um, put it on yours as well. I mean, put, obviously, it, put it everywhere. Put it put everywhere. It everywhere. Okay. We're, everyone, because everyone's going to share it as well. You know, well, you have the I mean, of on this occasion, yes. I mean, you and I have been going to Jorvik for fucking years. And, you know, it'll be cool that there'll be an event there that we have created, like from our community. We go there mm-hmm. a lot and we hang out. We have an awesome time. We all enjoy it at Jorvik, but very rarely do I feel like we're doing anything that we have created. We kind of, we're watching other people do stuff and and stuff from a community that we're not necessarily 
uh, involved in. Whereas there's that's, thousands of us there. That's what I I think they've been missing as well. Mm. And you know, I, there's been. I think Jovic's taken a little bit of a decline in the last few years. I think I certainly coming COVID certainly hasn't helped. Well, that did him in, didn't um, And then, but it's still, like you said, it's such a special place for so many mm-hmm. people within yeah. this community. But it's always kind of felt, like you said, the, not not like where on the outside, but there's just been like that missing link between what they put on and the community as a whole. Yes. And I, th- and I think that hopefully you're going to, you're going to bridge that. And then, you know, I'd always have, I'd always want to be involved with, with the festival. It's the first place I ever, mm-hmm. I ever traded at. It was the yeah. place that I bought the first horn that made me start horns of Odin. So it has a, it Whoa. has a very special place in my heart regardless. Yeah. So I would always support it as a festival. Uh, yeah. I just think that link, that kind of missing links, not being there and I'm glad to see that they're making that they're kind of taking they a chance with, with what you're doing and hopefully that's going to bring yeah this community into it I hope so and they are like I had I've talked to them a fair bit in the organization of this and yeah they they're they seem to really be um looking for opportunities to engage with this community and give us a way of doing something which I understand they've been hesitant to do before because as we know they've had some unfortunate associations in recent history um and it's really great that they they found a way to (laughs) (laughs) it's true though right it is true Um, it also i mean it also links back to the fucking photo shoot let's not yeah man yeah man honor you know what i'm talking about i haven't drank enough to put myself in that much trouble yet don't do that don't do that. No one is that. We don't need to get in trouble because this is not, yeah, this isn't a negative. This is nothing but positive vibes from this situation no. is like, they understand that there's a community out there that they haven't yet engaged with in a way that like we're all, we've been, we're, we're there every year. We go there it on the same when you get, when you get burnt, when you do, Oh my God. When yeah. you do take, when you do take that chance, then you get burnt. Mm-hmm. Then you do, you're extra cautious going forwards. Yeah. You know, it's the whole fool me once, fool me twice thing. You they mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. to be kind of extra tentative and, and don't know who to trust then. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But fortunately with me, like pretty much what you see is what you get. Like I'm gonna go up Absolutely. there. I've I told them I'd we'd get a um a, a big old venue involved and we did. Like you it doesn't get bigger than the Barbican up there. Um so Barbican and involved, like I've done it all myself. Well, I say I've done it myself. I've, I've had help, obviously. Stupid thing to say. Um, but what I mean is I, we have built it. And now Jorvik have seen that like we put our money where our mouths are. Um, and so they're willing to support it because they, they see that we're, this isn't a flash in the pan. And we're not trying to earn money off of them. Like this is a festival that has meant an awful lot to me and a lot, an awful lot to you and all kinds of people from our community. Yet we've never been represented at it. You know, we turn up and we watch other people do it, people that we don't necessarily know. Um, and it's, it's always felt, felt weird that for a festival and for a celebration of something that we are passionate about, that our role is to sit in a pub and drink and then go out and watch <laughs> other people. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm super amped that this will be hopefully a starting point that we can prove that. Um, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, man. But Because obviously music is a big part of it. Have you thought mm-hmm. about maybe trying to put on the, a live band oh for sure 
yeah, can yeah. play alongside because that that would be fucking fantastic. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I where I want the show to go anyway. I want the music to be as live as the acting. Um, mm. Like we're technically, oh Jesus, dude, it's so boring. But like we're a variety show, which means that I pay like royalties out to the artists whose music I use in the show on a, a particular rate, depending on how much of my show, what percentage of my show is music, blah, 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 blah. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's long and it's tedious, uh, but my, my end goal would always be to actually have musicians there live. Mm-hmm. Um, but my show is already fantastically expensive to run because there's a lot of people involved. There's a lot of stuff moving parts. It doesn't make any money, but that's not what it's for. It's, it's for, the purpose of of keeping these stories alive and adapting them for modern audiences and all the stuff we've talked about, you know, tonight about mm-hmm. myths aren't useful if they don't speak to you. They're just stories then. They're just nonsense Netflix bullshit that no one cares about. Um, <laughs> Sometimes uh, you have to invest in yourself as well for the future. Like, yeah, man. It might not make money right now, but eventually there's going to be doors that open up. Yeah. Where you can, and everyone will say how lucky we are. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, brew, brew, good. No, you're right. the door. You, you oh, do a yeah. little modeling. <laughs> Estrella Dam come knocking. If you, had, if if you hadn't been to the fringe, brew, good, wouldn't have been there, would they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And look where that's going. Oh, brew dog contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, ma'am. Well, no, thank you for for talking about the show. It means a lot, and yeah, I can't wait to. No, you know, I, wait I mean. You know, I will support you with whatever with whatever venture you do because I know that you put everything into it. Um, like I've been at the first show, seeing the the effort that not just you but the whole cast put into it. Yeah, um, just the belief and there was a and I I said to you at the time and I probably said on the last podcast we did that people performed on that level because they believed in you. It, mm. it wasn't about it wasn't about the story. It wasn't about where they were, the audience, anything like that. Everybody that that kind of took part, the actors, the wrestlers, it was all because they had this love and belief in you and what you mm. were creating and this what this could become. And yeah. that's you know that's what you've built through your honor code, your whatever system you you live by of being kind to other people and doing as you say, then. People that's reciprocated, and it might not be mm. reciprocated, at you know, right in the moment. But I will never forget the fact that you know when I asked you to do something and you agreed, and this other offer came, you were like, "No, I'm going to do this," and I will never forget that because that, that mm. meant a lot to me in that time when I needed it. It meant a great deal. Okay, so yeah. then I reciprocate that back wherever I can because you grow kind of oh, these loyalties through that. I think. Yeah, I mean. I couldn't agree more. Like I, my show has got where it's got because of, of the efforts of the people around me. And if those efforts are in part inspired because those people believe in me or, you know, whatever I've done up until this point, then even better. But I mean, all of it comes down to the same, the same wonderful human situation, right? Which is that if people believe in me because I've been kind to them or I've been loyal to them, those are non-existent nonsense concepts, right? In the eyes of science or whatever it was. I'm not digging at science, obviously. But I'm, I'm just getting at the fact that those things don't exist in the same meaningful way as facts do. And yet everything that we do as humans is motivated by them. And I'm here because of them. You're here because of them. My show's here because of them. Yet you can't measure them 
and you can't you can't document them um and that to me is what what mythology is and why i chose to make my show about it and why i would come on here and without any plan and just a a small collection of Estrella Dam delicious Spanish beer <laughs> that I'm not sponsored by um, <laughs> would happily feel like you and I can just shoot the ship for an hour because no, that that's you know, without without a doubt when when Mateus messaged and said he couldn't make it there was no I I sent messages out to the patrons to our Discord and I'm like would you you know should we postpone it or would you like to just see us do it but there was no doubt in my mind that we could just sit and have a beer and just yeah. talk about whatever. And it doesn't matter where this gets kind of pointed. We'd be, we'd be all right. Yeah, we'd be all right. And if we ruin the Nordic mythology podcast, you know, in one I think hour, we'd be well behaved. I think we'd be the, very good. I've been certainly, I've been a desperate for the chat. The ch- oh, so my, we'll, we'll wrap up in a second. The chat was complaining that there wasn't enough dick jokes and it wasn't enough volcanoes. Uh, so, well, I feel like there, Matthias is, you know, um, certainly the volcanoes are his, his, he literally wrote the book on volcanoes, mm-hmm. but dick jokes. I mean, I feel like I've let everyone down there. I apologize. Um, we got too serious. We got wrapped up in oh, a shit. serious conversation. I didn't, ex- I, you know what? I did not see that coming. And, <laughs> but you see, if we prepared, if, if we had prepared for this, probably we wouldn't, it wouldn't have actually worked out because we'd have tried to no, actually no, it would have been all dick jokes. It would have been terrible. Yeah, it would have been mainly dick jokes, very little, you know, pseudo-serious discourse about mythology and human phenomenology. But you know what? We'll listen back to this in a couple of days. We'll be mortified. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we've done all right. No, I've I had think such a good well. time. I've had such a good Let's, time. It's, um, it's just lovely to talk to you, man. Thank you. You too. You too. Always is. You, you know you're welcome anytime. Um, I can't believe yeah. you're still staying that five episodes in. <laughs> Bold. Of course you are. Too. Everybody loves it when you're on. They know it's going to be chaotic. They know it's going to be I hilarious. Except there was today. nothing chaotic. Yeah, this was very subdued. It's probably because I'm exhausted from all the show stuff. Yeah. But um... No, no. We will. Let's do this again before the... No. Should we do it before or after? What do you do think? At- do it there. Let's do a live podcast from your. Oh, yes. Let's. There we go. Um, you heard it here first. Let's do that. And we'll have all the beer. Yes. Hell yes. <laughs> all this. Australia After now. the show. Good Lord. Otherwise, I'll kill somebody. Yeah. Um, no, thanks, looking, man. Thanks yeah, for having look, me. Okay. Let people know where they can buy tickets. Ah, yes. Um, yeah. You can follow me at Thus the Guild on Instagram. You can follow the show at mythos.theatre. You can get tickets uh, at the York Barbican. Um, it is a thousand plus seats, so I don't think you'll struggle, but there are only so many ringside seats, which is where you're up so close that you'll actually, I'll literally, I'll spit on you as I'm doing my dialogue. So if you don't get those, you'll be further back. So I highly recommend you sort that out or soon. Or just if you don't like what they're wearing. Yeah, mainly that. But that's when I, I just throw shit at them like a monkey. Um, <laughs> that's what Odin does. That's what it does. But that's, yeah, you can find them there. Uh, follow the Instagram account, please, because I will be announcing the rest of our tour there. So, yeah. Thanks, man. Perfect. If you enjoy the show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star rating, positive review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you can, please pause on Patreon. You get to watch the episodes live. You get to join in in the chat. It's always a lot of fun, fun in there. Sometimes I get distracted reading the chat whilst we're mid-episode, I always which isn't do. the best. 
<laughs> but it, it's always a lot of fun. You know, we have a lot of good followers. Um, yeah, you get those when you spars at any level. You can watch live. You also get early access to all the episodes. And obviously just follow us on Naughty Mythology Podcast, whether it's Facebook, Instagram. Um, the website, NaughtyMythologyPodcast.com, you can pick up some T-shirts. We're working on some new merchandise at the moment, which, yeah, we're, we've got some some big things in the works and we're we're kind of looking forward to and pushing forwards after this tumultuous year. You know, we've been a little all over with with, with myself and then Mateus having baby Bjorn with uh, a little up and down, but hopefully things are going to align back and we're uh, pushing forwards. And I have ordered the coconut bikini as well. So that is coming either when it arrives whether it comes and it's going to be next week or the week after. So if you want to watch that live or see that before anyone else, obviously again, head over to the Patreon and you can support us there and it helps us out and helps us keep um, running the job as well, I guess. So thank you very much. Um, take care and we appreciate you, uh, you joining us. Mm-hmm.